I'm Ali and welcome to episode one of 9 to 5 Rider, the podcast which explores the lives of enthusiastic amateurs who fund their horse habit with careers outside of the equestrian industry. Today's guest is keen show jumper Jess Dalwood. Jess's horses have lived life in the fast lane with her current horse Ruby leaving National Hunt Racing only in November 2019. Not only a competitive amateur rider, Jess is also a full-time teacher at a secondary school and a talented musician. How does she make it all work? I look forward to finding out today. Welcome to 9 to 5 Rider. How's your day going today? Hi, uh, yeah, my day's going okay. Same as most days at the moment. But um, yeah, I've been out and seen my horse this morning and then just been doing boring chores around the house, really. <laughs> and what's the what's the setup at your yard with your horse currently? Um, so at the moment, during lockdown, we are allowed to go up for um, one to two hours, um, lunge, um do groundwork etc um and they've taken the decision not to allow riding um because of it being a very big yard it just wouldn't be um doable really to get everyone in and out safely and um yeah so I I do understand it but it's a little bit frustrating at times because actually that's what I love to be doing most in in this weather and everything so <laughs> yeah I think it, time on my hands <laughs> it's certainly something that we're um we're all feeling um all in the sure same boat yeah all in this yeah all in the same boat um hopefully rowing in the same direction so that yeah. we can get out of lockdown <laughs> as soon as possible so um would you like to tell us a little bit about your maybe your normal riding life and um about the the horse that you currently have yeah of course so um I am a, a secondary music teacher, so I do have to fit my riding around work and um, can be a little bit tricky sometimes, but um, I, I just absolutely love it and I, I couldn't be without riding and I think it's part of my time that I have to just uh, relax and not, well, get, get myself out of work frame of mind um I've currently got an ex-race horse um she's 10 years old um and she was a national hunt horse uh she was in training up until November so I've been reschooling her um and there was a few issues like uh that that the physio needed to to sort and um been having to do a lot of stretches and exercises to help build her up um and we're currently well we were just getting to doing a little bit of very low level competing unaffiliated Mm -hmm. um with the hope that I was going to register her with British show jumping around now Mm-hmm. which obviously there's there's no point in doing just yet um but that's the idea anyway mm-hmm. and how did you 
come to to arrange um, getting getting hold of Ruby, your racehorse? What's the sort of setup with how she you came to own her? So I used to work for uh, Pontesport um, with the racehorses, and I started there in August last year. So I actually got to know Ruby a little bit then. So I was riding mm-hmm. her there, um, and. So it was quite nice that I had a little bit of time to get to know her gradually. And I really liked her from um, the first time that I rode her. And then in around November, um, the horse that I had on loan at the time went back to their owner. And so then I had, uh, well, I was left horseless. So she filled a gap and uh, I've actually been really enjoying having a different challenge and it's been mm-hmm. really, been a really nice change. Mm-hmm. And you'll obviously we we know each other and your your previous um, your horse to Ruby was was Viva and she also did a degree of racing I understand but that was pony racing so what obviously some of us listening will have different sorts of horses but what's your experience like of owning horses that have have raced and um what what's what's good about it and maybe what's challenging about it well this is actually the third in a row um that i've had sort of longer term um or had sole responsibility for so there's obviously the initial uh, stages of getting race x race horse um can be quite challenging and there's a lot of different things that you have to think about um for you know for example things like feed um saddle fitting absolute nightmare <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 then just adjusting to a completely different way of life and they all take to that in different ways and adjust to it at varying speeds really and I think it's just a case of really getting to know what is best for that horse and actually thinking it's it's a real shock for them really to have their mm. racing when they've been in racing they are so used to that solid routine every single day and then for them to do things where they're not necessarily expecting uh, what you're asking of them mm-hmm. um, you've just got to be a little bit sympathetic with them really um, but you know they're like any horse they're all they're all different and it's just a case of really being in tune with them mm-hmm. so you had the the benefit of meeting Ruby while she was in that environment mm. um obviously people listening there's going to be a mix of views about racing but mm. not necessarily everyone's going to know about um how racehorses are trained so um you know generally i guess people that work are maybe riding three four five six times a week mm. um for a couple of hours before or after work how does that compare to what um i guess a, a national hunt racehorse would be doing in terms of their workload um, so in terms of their workload, um, they well for when they come into work in the summer, 
actually they start off with hacking around the roads or um you know walking out um they don't just go straight into gallops so it is a, a slow process to build them up um and actually you have to be a little bit patient because they they do hack for a very long time before or the the amount of time that they're out hacking could mm-hmm. be sort of up to hour and a half two hours um and on a racing saddle that can be a little bit painful on the back side <laughs> um so that was a bit of a shock to me but anyway they uh the i haven't had a huge amount of experience at different racing yards i've only been at a couple um but generally they do vary it more than people think so mm-hmm. uh, they may well have their own gallops but I know with Ruby's case she will have been even even in training she will have still had some time hacking around the cross-country course um doing a bit of flat work occasionally um and jumping in the arena as well as racing uh training on the gallops and do you think that that knowledge that you've got about racing training has has helped you in terms of moving um ruby and your other horses into more of a i guess a leisure riding horse show jumper type lifestyle yeah i think so it has given definitely given me a bit more of an understanding of what goes on um and what definitely what they are used to and then being able to make those allowances for when they do react a certain way mm-hmm. um so i mean one thing that is probably quite similar in all racing yards is everything from things like bringing in from the field tacking up etc is all done at, at quite a speed because they have so many horses to get through so just little things can be quite stressful to an ex-race horse so it's really kind of understanding actually they may not just be being stroppy for the sake of it this is a whole anticipation of um some you know things that might have been done very quickly um, mm-hmm. So for things like with Ruby, for example, um, she had uh, an Australian noseband and a grackle when she was in racing, um, and she was a bit of a nightmare to put a bridle on. Um, and me being five foot one, I just <laughs> I had to stand on a box to do her bridle when I first got her over here. Um, and then I did things like uh, just gave her a little treat before and after. Um, and now she's she's been brilliant, actually. She's actually taken mm-hmm. to things really quickly. So that and that that is that's really interesting that you've made that progress in in such a short mm. short period of time. Um, and you did mention a bit about that the feeding regime and finding a different feed yeah. regime feeding regime because i guess the assumption is that being in this this harder work and racing 
horses are having a, a lot of high energy yeah. feed. So what what tran- what was the transition like for you in terms of moving on to a more appropriate diet? Um, well, it was a case of trial and error um, with a few errors. And I've now got the right sort of balance for her. Um, but in racing, they are just on pure racing nuts. Uh, quite high mm-hmm. energy high calorie um so I didn't realize that actually that is all she has ever been used to eating so mm-hmm. she was then really picky about small changes so it was making it a little bit simpler um, and I had that actually with my last x-ray source not with Viva the one before that Viva's a pig but the one before that (laughs) was really really fussy with eating and I tried all sorts with her and actually the best thing was just stripping back to really really plain simple chaff nuts um and not give it not not do too big quantities but more more often smaller feeds um, and she actually had a lot more problems with digesting than um, any horse that I've ever had before but I think mm-hmm. it's so so easy to just overload with supplements um, and extra bits and pieces because there's so much on the market um, yeah. and I know people must spend an absolute fortune because all these different brands are telling you you need this and that in a feed and actually the best you know the best thing for their digestion is to keep it as natural as possible and certainly for Uh an x-racer with them being so prone to things like ulcers actually things like getting really good quality foraging is is really important um Uh and yeah just not over complicating with things like cereals etc i think that's that's a really good tip and i'm you know i know people do we've got do take on x racers and there's the racehorse to riding horse classes that are quite Mm. big and it's also just i think for me what i really admire about it is there's something really really responsible about taking a horse from racing which some people do do criticize for being quite wasteful of horses Mm. in some ways and giving it another another job which it can really really excel at um and i know that you've had huge successes with your um your previous horse yeah. or pony rather that was a, a racing yeah. pony um so what did you end up achieving with beaver um so with beaver it was a bit of a different scenario in, in that um she she came to me from she'd she'd been racing and hunting um and she'd been quite successful at a racing pony um and she was super speedy um and at the beginning I did have to just kind of cling on for dear life and um but she was, <laughs> I think we've all done that on any type of horse and <laughs> I could either get round and win it or I could get round and take out everything including you know poles wings because I had no control so 
with her it was taking some time to just get things going nice and calm on the flat which I don't think I ever really achieved her being 100% calm but she made huge improvements and it did mean that I could um, go and do a lot of competing um, with show jumping and I did try a little bit of unaffiliated eventing but our dressage was so poor that it just wasn't worth spending the money so she was better off just jumping and she absolutely loved it she was so so keen and it was a case of, with her of just actually sitting really quiet um and just keeping her her in a, in a nice rhythm and then actually she's very good at sorting the rest out for me and it did mean mm-hmm. that I could go on I had quite a lot of success locally with um the show jumping and um been to a couple of county shows a few stayaways uh and I went to blue chips uh, a couple of years ago um she actually competed for a couple of months with British show jumping and then qualified very early on for um novice championships at blue chip and it was quite an experience considering I'd never done anything like that before and the whole it's the whole atmosphere of everything and you go go in and there's this big archway and I'm sure a few people listening probably have been there and know how the atmosphere can affect you and I was so, so nervous about it and all these people watching and everything. And actually, she was just amazing and she took it all in her stride. And I had a couple of poles down, but it was massive. And um, mm-hmm. she was, yeah, she was really brave. It was a lovely experience, really. Yeah, I, I know she was a, a fantastic, you know, yeah. she is a fantastic pony and I mean obviously you know Hartbury is a, a really well-known venue and you know blue chip from from what I understand of, of show jumping you know that is something that um, you might see sort of semi-professionals or professionals at and I I know from some of our previous conversations you you have been in classes with some of the, the bigger names perhaps mm. with their younger horses out yeah. um but what's what's been your experience I suppose of of knowing that you've got some you know some well-known names I suppose in your in your class does that bother you at all or do you just focus on on the day itself um no it's I'd, it's it is nice to be a part of something where actually you see some of these riders that well, actually I've, I've admired for a while, and um, so that that's quite nice to to think actually I can ride at a level competitively where these people mm-hmm. are are present. Maybe not, you know, that they're maybe not competitively that well, not not competitively, but they are bringing on younger horses at this stage um because i've i've only competed up to uh, 105 110 um so it tends to be their their more novice horses then um but no i think when i first started competing and i i had a trailer to start with and then i saved up and bought myself a 
little old horse lorry and you'd go to these big events and there'd be people that turn up with lorries that cost you know as much as a house and <laughs> think, well do you know what I, I could and you think this is I could maybe get a, a lorry like that if I never had a house and I slept in it for the whole time um but you just got to think actually I'm doing this as my hobby because I love it and the a lot of these people it is their job and they do it full time um and certainly yeah. when you get to the higher events the more prestigious events for me it is about getting around and get actually getting there um and if I come home with a rosette then that's brilliant but if not it's I've got to think it's got to be enjoyable it has got to be my downtime and it's got to be fun. And um, other than that, I you know, don't worry too much about who's there and who I'm against. Um, I'll try not to yeah. let it affect me if I'm against a lot of people <laughs> that I consider to be famous in horse world. Yeah. And well, I mean, good on you, because I would be quivering in my boots some of the fences that, that you jump and my horse is a lot lot bigger than your your pony your pony was so <laughs> and what is it about I mean you know I, I must admit you know dressage is my my main focus what's it that you love about show jumping oh, I just I love the thrill of it um I all, always have liked jumping uh and it has only been the last sort of maybe four or five years that I've got into um affiliated show jumping um Mm -hmm. I mean I am super competitive so that (laughs) I think just the 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 thrill (laughs) of it and things like the jump off um I find that really exciting and I always want to push myself or always want to do a bit more um you know do as much as I'm capable of and I I mean I I do rely on trainers and I have got um trainer that I've I've had for years and years and and trust every word that she says so if she puts a jump up in the arena I think that looks ridiculous but but she says I can jump (laughs) it then I will jump it and I will always give things a go and so yeah, I've, I've jumping is my has always been my main passion with riding. I, I do like to vary things, but that's yeah, that's that's my area really. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. bottom line. The jumping, yeah, and obviously you know with that the the competition schedule and the qualifiers and you've obviously got ambitions for for Ruby, mm-hmm. your current horse. How? Do you think you'll make that work or how have you made that work around um, teaching? Um, so I've been a qualified teacher since September. And then before that, I was I was training to be a teacher. And I have to say, last year was probably my, my hardest year. 
Um, and it did help that I had a pony that was generally very easy all round. Um, but I've just got to think, you know, it, I it is my downtime, and and riding riding is is enjoyable to me. Um, and I've just got to try and fit it in and make it work. Um, I mean, I, I do try and get up and get things done in the morning so that I can come home and just ride without having to muck out and things. And it means getting up in the morning for 5.30, but, um, which I know some people would think is horrendous, but actually I don't mind it when I'm in the routine of it. And I'd much rather come in, come back home from work and ride and, um, and just, you know, have a nice chilled evening and that, um, I I think the two things because teaching I know lots of people will be in jobs that are very demanding and riding um, and I and I consider teaching to be one of those jobs but actually at the same time I need something being quite an active person I need something that that I do regularly that does completely take my mind off work um, and keeps me active and healthy as well because I'm, I don't know what I'd do without it, really. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all in that place. We're all, especially with the, um, you know, some of the limitations that have been put on during mm. lockdown. I think everyone's realised, I don't know what my life would be like if I, if yeah. I couldn't spend time with my horse, so absolutely get it and I know that you're certainly while I've known you the horses that you've had have been on on mm. loan and you've made huge competitive progress with loan horses um, now you know ownership has its challenges loaning horses has its challenges so if there's anyone who's thinking of loaning a horse perhaps they're coming back into riding or they've recently maybe lost a horse and are wondering whether loaning might be an, an, an interim op option while they have a think about what they want to do. What do you think are, are things that are useful to know from, from your experience of having, you know, have, currently having a horse on loan and having loaned previously? Um, I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to always own, but actually I know that I wouldn't necessarily be able to afford to buy the horse that I wanted and um, so loaning has suited me quite well um, however it does have its ups and its downs um, so I would say uh, actually I've, I've had some successful loans um, and um, when, when I was growing up we we loaned horses out and um, I think one of the most important thing, things to have in place is to have a, a secure contract and I used um, a contract template from the BHS. Um, however, I think that, that does go so far but at the end of the day, the owner does have the right to take the horse back at any time and unfortunately I, I came I experienced that um 
this well last year with my last lane pony um and the owners decided mm-hmm. to take her back um and I was absolutely devastated devastated by it um but I'd had an amazing time with her um I think one of the things I would say is it is important to make sure you disclose everything when it happens um so that you do cover yourself any injuries anything um that happens to the horse always make sure that you have got it in writing that you have told the owner um Mm -hmm. and just make sure that you communicate with them um and other than that I think you've just got to be aware that at some point the the owner could take that horse back and actually I'm I've got quite a good understanding with um the uh, Ruby's owners um and Mm -hmm. I don't think they would want to take her back because actually their horses that they have there are are doing a job and she doesn't do that job anymore so they really have no reason to take her back but it is important to have that, that understanding with the with the owner. I think that's really useful, particularly, you know, what you've said yeah. there about that disclosure and that trust. I, you know, once that's once there's a crack in that trust with between a, an owner and a loanee, I imagine it's mm. it's very hard to rebuild that. So, what you've said there is is really really useful um and i think you know people can certainly have that at the forefront of their mind if if loaning is something that they're going to consider um i'm going to move us away from sort of questions now jess to more of the um kind of complete the sentence kind of style if you'll bear with me um so first one is the last time i fell off was the last time i fell off was at chard schooling um embarrassingly it was at a pole on the ground so I was trying to my idea was trying to get Ruby to not rush into uh, a line of poles so I came around the corner and didn't give her much notice um and she jumped out her skin because there was a pole on the ground that she wasn't expecting and I just landed on my feet the other side. (laughs) It sounds very elegant anyway. (laughs) Um, um, What was really popular in in the pilot was the the cheap and cheerful tip. So I don't know if you've got a hat, I think they call it life hacks, don't they now? But that kind of there's not much cheap about there's lots that's cheerful about no. horses but there's not much that's cheap so, so I would just would say there's be? a human version to a lot of things that uh, are horse products um so things like savlon spray pseudocreme etc it, it's uh, very there's a lot of things that are very similar products but stick a, a horse brand on it and it immediately triples the price um, I think one of my <laughs> most useful hacks is for poultices using nappies. Um, so they work quite uh, well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
nappies as nappies as my hack. Yeah, that's good. That's good because the animal index stuff, which I'm afraid to say is in my first aid box, especially the hoof shapes. Yeah. It is like six quid a packet, isn't it? And nappies, I mean, they're not, I, I suppose people who's got babies who are using them wouldn't say they're cheap when they're cumulative, but standalone packets, yeah. probably a damn sight <laughs> cheaper. I like it. That's great. <laughs> and just to, you've obviously spoken a, a huge amount about your experience of, of balancing work and, and riding and your competition ambitions. What would you say your your main tip is for people who are riding and working full time? Get up really early um, and get the chores done so you can enjoy the other bits after that. Yeah, because it's, it's hanging over you, isn't it? You don't want to be in the, in the middle of your music class thinking... <laughs> Oh, I've got a dirty stable yeah. waiting for me when I get home. <laughs> Whereas if you think you've got a sweet horse with her yeah. ears pricked over the Although stable, I do have to make sure better, I take some perfume with me so I don't end up uh, going into work smelling of horse wee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> do, you, do, you, yeah. do you have perfume yeah, have in your glove compartment? Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the tip. That's lovely. That's really, really good. Well, on that note, Jess, we'll um leave it there. But it was amazing to to speak to you and I really hope you get a chance to um get out and do all the show jumping that you you want to once we're out of lockdown and that you have every success with Ruby Thank in twenty twenty. See you later. Bye. It was amazing to speak to Jess today and hear about um, how level-headed she is when she's out at some of the big competition venues. Um, what really struck me was that she's calm, she's cool, she's collected and she really, really keeps at the front of her mind that this is her hobby and she's there to enjoy herself. So that's something to really, really admire about Jess's approach. Um, I was also really, really delighted to hear about the empathy that she has developed with her current ex-racehorse Ruby through her understanding of racehorse training and the racehorse feeding approach. And I'm sure that's going to ensure that she has lots and lots of success with Ruby in the future. The tips that she shared about loaning horses and the trust that's required between loanee and owner are also going to be critical to some listeners who are choosing to loan a horse um, rather than buy. And I think her final comment about perfume in the glove compartment, many of us have been there. I think that's a real um, common thing with those that work full time and ride horses, that quick dash between the yard and the workplace and a quick spritz of fragrance. So thank you, Jess, for sharing that with all of us. It's something we can all relate to. Thank you for listening today to 9 to 5 Rider, the podcast which explores the lives of enthusiastic amateurs. We would love to hear from you on Instagram at 9 to 5 Rider with 9 and 5 as numbers or using the hashtag 9 to 5 Rider. We also have a Facebook page, 9 to 5 Rider, and we would really appreciate it if you could rate, review and recommend this podcast to anyone that you think will enjoy it. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy your horses.